You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. We're not quite understanding what that is, but the reality is just very simply this, that the new covenant was the understanding that the very presence of Jesus is in us, could be in us, and by that we could access the Father. And that changed the way that we as people lived on this earth. No longer did we live separate from God. No longer did we live in this place of uncertainty, knowing whether or not what we were doing was pleasing to God. No longer did we live absent from the understanding of the goodness of God, of the love of God, but through Jesus Christ, we had access. Jesus gave us something that he alone possessed, that he encompassed, which was that of the position of a high priest. Jesus, the scripture tells us, is the great and faithful high priest. The book of Hebrews tells us that. And in that idea, the high priest was the one who could come into the very presence of God. And it was reserved for one person in the Old Testament. One person every year could come into the most holy place. But Jesus Christ came as man. He lived in that position and he gave to us the ability to become high priest before God. Meaning this, that when we trust in Jesus, what he did for us was given to us as an access to come into the presence of the Father. Now here is the thing that we have to understand inside this idea, this beautiful, magnificent idea, is that it is no longer a question. It is not a question of whether or not we can access God. Instead, now it is a question of whether or not we believe we can. And one of the greatest things that we can do inside of the new covenant picture is to begin to fully, fully take hold of the thing that Jesus Christ gave us hold of, that position to come into the presence of God. Because in that presence, in the very presence of God, the scripture tells us that we are made complete. We are made full. That means this, that the times you feel in your life that you're lacking or you're broken or you're missing something, the solution doesn't come from your own ideas. The solution does not come from your own strength. The solution does not even come from your own perspective of your future. The solution comes when you get into the presence of your Father God. In that place, you're made full. In that place, you're made complete. And so Jesus, as he walked these 40 days on the earth, he does one final thing. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about the ascension of Jesus Christ. I've never preached a message on it. I've referenced it quite a bit. But it's fitting because the period of time between Passover and Pentecost is about 50 days. And Jesus walked on the earth 40 of those 50 days. And as he departed the earth, he left this message to his disciples and in essence to us, to every one of us, on what to do to fully walk in this idea, this beautiful picture of the new covenant. We've heard of the great commission to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and our strength, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that is, in, that is indeed the Great Commission. But if anything could be said about what we're going to read in Acts chapter 1, it is the power to fulfill the commission. And Jesus gave this, us this, this understanding, and I want to look at this this morning as we read this, so that we can begin to understand 
the power that has been given to us to take hold of what we have been called to. And it's interesting that Jesus framed it in between these two feasts. The feast of Passover was celebrated, and then Pentecost is something that we, we call it, we celebrate, but it would have been the festival of weeks. And one thing that was significant about the festival of weeks to a Jewish person was this, is that they believed that that is when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. That is when God imparted his 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 life into, into man, through the word, through the law. Now, here's a, here's a bit of a correlation, if you'll allow me to make it, because the Israelites were in captivity for 400 years in Egypt, and they didn't understand the purposes or the nature of God. They lived as slaves, not as free people. And so when God hands down the law to Moses, he's bringing them under his love. He's telling them how to walk among them. Fast forward to Jesus Christ. Between the Old Testament and the time Jesus appears on the earth is 400 years. There's a silent period of 400 years between the Old and the New Testament, what we call. The prophets in the Old Testament had stopped prophesying. And here comes Jesus Christ on the scene, and he walks among men for a little more than three years, and then he dies, and he, he rose again. And so he leads, leaves the disciples, he leaves us shortly before the festival of weeks, which we come to know as Pentecost, by the giving of the truth of the Holy Spirit. And this is to bring us into the full knowledge of what it means to walk in the full measure of the grace of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at the ascension speech that Jesus makes as he's waving goodbye and floating up in the air, we see a couple of beautiful things that should stick to us, that we can get from the word of God and begin to grow in. So let's, let's read this in Acts chapter 1. Verses 6 through 9. It says, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you going to, at this time, restore the kingdom to Israel? They probably asked it a little bit more emphatically than that. They probably screamed it. He said to him, It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes as a cloud hid them from their sight. There's a couple of things that stick out to me here that we have to understand to walk in accordance to the new covenant that Jesus Christ came to give us. There's three things I believe that Jesus actually said in this short little speech as he's ascending to heaven that give us some keys on how to walk in the revelation of this great grace. The first one is this, is that we have to focus on the right things. We have to focus on the right things. Jesus says this after the disciples ask him a very, very good question. Jesus, when are you going to come and restore the kingdom, your kingdom, back to Israel? They were asking him a, a question that stemmed from a deep pain. They were asking, them, uh, asking Jesus a question that stemmed from a very uh, understood reality that they lived in. They were facing deep persecution. 
They were facing the stress of living as Jews inside a Roman-occupied area. They were facing the pressure of a mixed-up world. They were feeling the pressure of injustice. They were feeling the pressure of pain. And yet they just saw this guy who up until the moment he went to the cross was maybe kind of this Messiah carpenter guy die be buried, and three days later do exactly what he had said he would do. Fulfill, therefore, everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament about him. And there was no doubt in their mind that anything Jesus wanted to do at this point could be done. So the question is legitimate. And the question remains to this day, doesn't it? God, when are you going to come and fix this mixed-up world? God, when are you going to come? Do you see the injustice and the pain on this earth? Do you see the pain in my life? Do you see the confusion in my life, God? Do you understand? Do you know? Do you see the corruption? Do you see the things that are facing our earth, our world? As we grow more connected, as we're more present of the pain of this world than ever before in society, God, do you see it? When will you come back and right the wrong? When will you split the heavens and finally lay the rod of your authority down and stop the injustice of this world? When will you do it? And Jesus does something that is altogether remarkable because it's not his normal MO, mode of operation is instead of answering their question, he looks at them and says, hey, it's not good for you to know. Now listen, um, parents, you guys all get this, don't you? As a parent, I understand it, and I even can relate to it as a child growing up. There was something I wanted to know, something my dad was doing, something that was happening, something my parents were about, and being a nosy little guy, I'd be like, hey, what you up to? What's going on? When are we gonna do this, dad? When are we going to go get ice cream? <laughs> when are we going to get to go to the theme park? Hey, Dad, when are we going to get? Hey, Dad, what, what? Dad, 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 when, 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 when? And inevitably, my dad would look at me and go, hey, it's not for you to know. Oh, man, what? Oh, that just crushes us, doesn't it? That just crushes us. When somebody looks at us and says, hey, it's none of your business. Oh, man. Jesus, that's altogether offensive. And Jesus broke his mode of operation because he spent his ministry telling the disciples exactly what they should know. He explained to them what the kingdom of heaven was, who God was, who he was. He began to explain, explain, explain. But in this instance, he looks at him and says, hey, you don't need to worry about it. Here's what I believe Jesus was doing and what we can learn from this. It's not that God doesn't care. And it's not that God doesn't know, but Jesus says something remarkable about his father. He said, that time, that time when the wrongs will be righted, that time when injustice will cease, that time when pain will stop, that time is under my father's authority. That time is under my father's authority. Jesus was saying this, I'm giving you an opportunity to trust something that's greater than the injustice. I'm giving you an opportunity to trust something that's greater than the pain. I'm giving you an opportunity to trust something that can heal you. And that's my father's authority because you want to know something about my father? 
My father's never late. My father is never absent. My father is never misses a beat. And even though you might not understand the timing of my father, it will make you complete. Keep your eyes on the right things. Keep your eyes on the right things. Not only was Jesus giving us an opportunity to begin to trust the authority of the Father, but he was also kind of baiting us in, if you would, maybe not the right word, but inviting us into understanding that that authority lies in us. See, because by trusting the Father's authority for ourselves, what happens is this, is that it gives us the opportunity to look at the things in the world and instead of see the, seeing the glass as half empty, we begin to see the glass as half full. Because the question for us should never be just simply understanding all the things that are wrong, but instead asking the Lord, looking to the Holy Spirit for a way to restore the things that are broken. And Jesus was inviting us into that place of saying, when you understand that my Father's authority is perfect, and in that day he will complete all things, you're going to begin to be able to walk in my authority on this earth, and it's going to change the perspective by which you see. And as believers, the one thing we have to do in order to focus on the right things is that we have to choose not just to look at bad things that we see in this world without asking the question to Jesus, how do you want me to partner with you to bring hope into this situation? Whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your community or the world at large, the question should always be when we see these things, is this an opportunity for the authority and the power of the Father to manifest on the earth to bring hope, restoration, and people to Jesus that sets them free? This wasn't a minor question. This wasn't something that we should lose sight of. We should, we should ingest this thing fully and begin to understand that this question still lingers inside of us. And the answer is still the same. My dad has got it under control. And if you will trust him, that authority will begin to rest in you to bring hope and to bring healing in the world. It will begin to do that inside of you. The next thing that Jesus says is this. He says, but, he follows this up with a but, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus invites us into something that we all must have. The so second thing is this, is that we need to have a living, powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. A living, powerful relationship relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that the disciples had an opportunity to fret. He understood that we have an opportunity to fret. After this 400 years of silence where Jesus walked on the earth and declared to us the nature of God, and declared to us himself, he understood that a physical person in himself was leaving this earth. And there was one, only one thing, only one thing that could begin to satisfy the hearts and the souls of men. 
And that was to understand that the thing being left behind, the person being left behind, the Holy Spirit, had to be walked with every day to bring us into the place of understanding the new covenant. Let me break this down a little bit for you, please. Because this is the reality about the Holy Spirit. Jesus in the Gospel of John in 14, 15, and 16 taught about the Holy Spirit. He taught about who the Holy Spirit was, and he was prepping the disciples for this exact moment. He began to tell them things like, hey, it's good that I leave so that the one who's been promised to you will come, that he will come and he will be with you. He will guide you in all truth. He will lead you. He'll he'll tell you exactly everything that I'm doing. The disciples, of course, didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. But at the ascension, Jesus gives this one statement that we see fully realized in the very next chapter of Acts chapter 2. When he promises the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit will do. And here is the thing that we have to understand about what Jesus was saying concerning the Holy Spirit. And it's very simply this, that Jesus was talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. He was not talking about a mystical being. He was not talking about a feeling. He was not talking about an emotion. He was not talking about an experience. He was talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that we have got to satisfy and establish in our hearts and understand what the Scripture tells us about the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make any sense for Jesus as a person to leave and not leave us with the person of the Holy Spirit. If we understand the personhood of the Holy Spirit, we begin to relate to him entirely different, don't we? We begin to respond to him differently. See, it's, just very, it's, it's very simply this, is that you understand the idea of the President of the United States, you understand the, who he is, you understand that about him, but you have not physically been around the person of the President of the United States. And as a result, we act differently, don't we? We talk about him differently. No matter how you feel about him, right? You're going to speak differently because he's not in your physical presence. But if President Trump was to come and walk and sit down in your living room and have a cup of coffee with you, your whole demeanor would change. Your whole sense of honor would change. Your whole perspective would change, wouldn't it? And the problem with not understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit is this, is that we're not taking full benefit of what the Holy Spirit came to do inside of us and came to bring in us the revelation of the new covenant. I want to show you just a couple of things about the personhood of the Holy Spirit that the Scripture tells us. The Holy Spirit makes choices. The Holy Spirit makes choices. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it talks about the Holy Spirit giving gifts and determining and distributing those gifts as he chooses. And we'll say this just from the very jump. We are a spirit-filled church, meaning this, we believe in the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in present action today, okay? 
We'll talk more about that later, a different date. But one thing that, and I, and guess, I, I grew up in a church like this my whole life. This is all I knew. But one thing I want to tell you that if you were anything like me, in order to function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you got to first know the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And before you understand the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you got to know the person of the Holy Spirit. You need to understand the person of the Holy Spirit so that you can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit so that you can function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when we mix that order up, friends, guess what happens? Is that we end up getting really sloppy with the gifts instead of understanding that there is an importance to understanding the personhood of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes choices. He distributes gifts as he chooses. The second thing, he teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches. In John 14, 26, it says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit guides. John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus, John 16, 14. It says, He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit longs to glorify Jesus inside of us. And if, you, if, you're, if you're following with me right now, here's what you should be seeing, is that as a person, the Holy Spirit stands in us, is inside of us, and he is reminding us of these things. He's teaching. He's guiding. He's revealing Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts John 16, 8. He convicts. This is something that I, I absolutely love about the Holy Spirit. And one of the benefits of the new covenant that we come into a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit is because we live in the righteousness of Jesus Christ in real time. Something that is ingrained into this house, 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Here's how you know that, because the Holy Spirit in real time will just kind of, nope. You can't walk with unforgiveness, Andy. Andy, you cannot walk in the absence of, of my grace. Andy, you can't, you can't do that. You're called to a better thing. You are the revelation revealing Jesus Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Do you see what the Holy Spirit does and why he is so intent in keeping us in real time in the place of understanding the righteousness of Jesus Christ? And when we begin to live in this place, something marvelous begins to happen is that we actually begin to live in a renewed authority and we begin to live in a better revelation of the love of the Father inside of us because we're never absent from the reminder. And the person of the Holy Spirit is doing that in us 24-7. The Holy Spirit seals believers. I, this is a whole sermon in and of itself. In 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, I'm not going to preach it, but I'm going to read the scripture. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand, stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, 
and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Here is what that scripture means really quick is that the Holy Spirit's job is to seal you, seal you in the understanding that you are God's. He has put his spirit in you. He has given it to you, and he's going to come back for it one day. Either when we breathe our last breath and we stand before the throne of Jesus Christ, or he comes and pulls his beautiful bride off of this earth. That is coming. That is a promise that every one of us have, and the Holy Spirit continually, continually reminds us of that. He sets that seal on our heart. That causes us to walk differently, doesn't it? That causes us to walk in this world differently because you're not subject as a child of God to the opinion of the world. You're not subject to the hurts and the harms of this world. When you've come in Jesus Christ, here is what happens is the Holy Spirit sets that seal. And as a person, he reminds you of that all the time. And it gives you the ability to stand up bold in this world, to step out boldly in the promises of God. How does this affect our day-to-day life? One thing that has to happen that Jesus brings us into is that in our life, we need to speak to the Holy Spirit as a person in our prayer life every day. We need to speak to the Holy Spirit. Some of you, that might seem like a little bit of a foreign concept. You might have been taught to pray to God or pray to Jesus. And you can. You don't stop. You can pray to God the Father. You can pray through the name of Jesus Christ. But you can also acknowledge the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. You can pray, Holy Spirit, please make the testimony of Jesus alive in me today. Holy Spirit, please walk with me as you walk with me today. Remind me of the truth of who I am in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, today, as I step out and do the things you've called me to, please remind me of that I am sealed in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for walking with me every day. It will begin to change the way you pray. And part of that, when Jesus was inviting us into this beautiful relationship with the Holy Spirit, he was also bringing us into the place where that the fruit of the Holy Spirit would begin to be born in us. In Galatians 5, 22-25, a lot of us might know this, but it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, what's interesting about these things is that you know, we might try as good people to do this, but apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. This is something that only the Holy Spirit can cause to happen inside of us as we walk with the person of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on and says, against these things, there is no law. The Holy Spirit continually reminds us and testifies of us in truth. In verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I would offer to you this morning that that's real time. That every day there's an understanding as we walk with the Holy Spirit that if there's something that's not in line with the Holy Spirit, we submit it before Jesus Christ. 
that we give it and we say, listen, this isn't part of what I have been called to be. I put it under the cross. I give it to Jesus Christ. This is being crucified so that I can walk with the Spirit and do what the Spirit has called me to do. This brings us into new life. And then finally, number three, Jesus says one more thing. He says, this power that the Holy Spirit is giving you is going to cause you to be my witnesses. And the third thing that we have to look at from the ascension is this, is that we need to focus on what Jesus ransomed his life for, people. Maybe it's easy for some of us to learn to walk according to the Spirit and to cultivate a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus made one thing absolutely clear at the ascension. He made it clear in his ministry. And the day of Pentecost just confirms this. Is that one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit at work in us and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us is to go and ransom that which Jesus Christ gave his life for, for people. It's kind of a cliche saying in the church, but it still stands true, is that the commodity of heaven is people. Jesus loves people. Jesus died for people. If we can understand and personalize the crucifixion, the death of Jesus for ourselves as a great gift of grace, then we must ask the Holy Spirit to extend that out of us to change the perspective by which we see the world so that we can see that same grace extended to every person. And this is what Jesus did. He said, listen, you're going to be my witnesses, and here's how it's going to go down. So I don't want you to be confused. It may be a different take on this speech that Jesus gave might have came from this understanding of saying, listen, this is going to make you maybe a slight bit uncomfortable, but I need you to understand how this is going to mushroom out. It's going to start in Jerusalem, and you guys might be comfortable with Jerusalem because you know folks there, and you know the streets there, and you grew up there, and I get it. That's good, but then it's going to get a little bit broader. Judea, that's where you visited on the weekends. That's where you went and saw your uncle at, and yeah, you don't know as many people there, so you're going to start some conversations there in Judea. But you know what? Guess what? They think like you. So it's not going to be that bad. But guys, it doesn't stop there. You're going to do something that you never, ever, ever thought you would do. You're going to go to Samaria. And you know what? You hate those people. Do you think that maybe, do you understand that Samaritans were hated? Do you understand that a Jew and a Samaritan were arch enemies? It would be the equivalent of, of God saying, hey, you're going to go to Pakistan and begin to maybe minister to Muslims. Begin to minister to people who hate my name. And Jesus, as he's ascending, you can think the disciples were going, cool, Jerusalem, got it, Judea, okay, that's going to be a stretch. But Samaria, what? Nuh-uh. Samaria doesn't stop there. The uttermost parts of the earth. 
What if Jesus was saying that because he understood that inside of us, the comfortability to rationalize what we receive from God is just being about us and being content within the circle that we like, being content within the, the realm and the group of people we like. That's easy, right? We get to that place where it's comfortable, but it can't stop there. And what if Jesus, for just a second, was pushing us to a greater place and saying, look, it's not just about what you like, and it's not just about the comfort zone that you got, but you got to keep pushing out of your comfort zone until everybody hears because I didn't just die for a few I died for everybody and if I can lay down my life you can too it's impossible for us to do in our natural ability, and that's just the simple truth, is that we can't pick this mantle up and go, yes, let's organize a good plan to reach the world and just push it out there. One, two, three, it doesn't work like that. We must be firmly fixed in the power of the Holy Spirit, cultivating a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit every day. It is not enough for us to understand, we must be filled with something that extends past us, and that's the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that. He asked us to begin to actively pray that the message would come out of us and out of our mouths, and then actively pray that our feet would move to the places that as through the Holy Spirit, we see needing the message of the resurrection. One other thing about this idea of being a witness is this. What were they witnesses to? What were they witnesses to? Justin, you come up, bud. They were witnesses to the resurrection. More specifically, they were witnesses to the power of the resurrection. They were witnesses to the one who overcame. They were witnesses to the one who broke the power of sin in their behalf. And this wasn't just for them. Jesus wasn't looking at the group that had walked with him only and just going, look, hey guys, this is just you. You're the, you're the witnesses. Everybody else is just going to hear about it, third person. You guys got the job. Jesus was saying, listen, if you've witnessed the grace of the resurrection, if you've witnessed the power of the resurrection, if you understand what it means to be free through me, if my life has touched your life in a way that transformed it, then you're a witness. And you've got something to give. And there's going to be other people out there that are broken and you're going to be sandwiched in the middle of a messed up world. And you're going to have to overcome some obstacles in your own life that are going to connect you into the revelation of the love of my Father that maybe days you understand and maybe days you don't. But you're a witness. And if my grace is moving in you, then it's got to move out of you. You've got to begin to see the world differently. And i got to be real honest with you. If I break this down in my own life, I've got to repent. Because I might be looking at things the wrong way when I look out into the world. Oh, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you, even in this last week, how the grace of God has wrecked my life. 
I can't even tell you that when we firmly look into that grace that there's some things that begin to shift inside of us, some mentalities and some perspectives that begin to change when we look at the world. And so when we put this all together, here's what we see Jesus saying. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And I still extend this word out to every one of you that, that, are, that are going through a, a situation in your family that needs restoration. In the name of Jesus, trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Because in that moment, when things are reconciled through his grace, the pain of what you have walked through will no longer affect you. Trust me. Trust me. It's not about getting it all figured out and understanding all the perfect timing. Trust me. But then he says, live in the power of the one, the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus wouldn't have said it's good that I go unless he understood how good the Holy Spirit was. And you don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Because as a person, those things we talked about, they're all beautiful things. And they all bring us into the knowledge of the Son, Jesus Christ, and the freedom of Jesus Christ. And then look through that place of transformation in your heart that I've come to give, the new covenant, and look at the world differently. See the world differently. See the world differently. There's a time to speak grace. There's a time to speak truth. Grace is not the absence of truth, but truth is always surrounded in love. And truth always sets people free. The truth of Jesus Christ. There's a time to speak grace. There's a time to speak truth. But the key thing is there is a need to speak. And we must be empowered boldly by the Holy Spirit to speak. And so this week, I want to invite you to do something this week to pray and invite the person of the Holy Spirit to show up in your life in a greater and greater way. And you can take these things you heard today and you can begin to pray these through the Scripture and pray that the very nature and the power of the resurrection will begin to dwell in you in a greater way. And then do something crazy is ask the Lord to open up your eyes to see a hurt, to see a wound, to see a pain, to see somebody that needs to hear about the wonderful love of Jesus Christ. And you might be nervous when you see that because the Holy Spirit will show you. But you take a step, even if it's a small step, a note, a hug, a gift, a word, and you begin to give that, believing that as a witness of the grace of Jesus Christ that set you free can also set them free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Jesus, we do remember 
that conversation that you had with the disciples and you had with us, instructing us to prepare our hearts, to look to trust you, to prepare our hearts for the person of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we do recognize you. And we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you have filled us. We thank you that you teach us about Jesus Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you reveal the truth of the word of God to us and that you lead and that you seal us in Jesus Christ. I thank you and I declare that over every person here this morning that you would begin to fix our eyes on the truth of the grace that transformed us so that we can see the world around us in a way and boldly begin to speak that same great grace to those who need it. We thank you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand to your feet. If I can have just a couple of ministry teams come up, please. Carl and Marilyn, Chris and Amy, watch come on. All right. This morning as we close, it's what we like to do because we believe that the one who we've been worshiping today is here. We do. And if you need prayer for anything, maybe this morning when I was talking about family stuff, you said, look, I just want to have somebody just join hands with mine and begin to come in agreement to see that happen. Maybe you're walking through something in your physical body that's tormenting you physically. Jesus declares in 1 Peter, it says, the wounds that he suffered, he took on the pain of our flesh. And we believe here that Jesus can heal your physical body. But just as well as Jesus healing a physical body, he can heal a broken heart. And if your heart is broken this morning, please let us pray with you. Don't leave here. And more than any of that, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you would pray this prayer, Jesus, I believe that what you did at the cross was sufficient for me. By your blood, you broke the power of my sin and you covered it. You took it to the cross with you. And by your blood, you have freed me. I invite you to come in to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And if you can pray that prayer, the Bible says that you become a child of God. This morning, if you need to come back, we don't believe that Jesus leaves you. We don't believe really even you can leave him. But if you feel distant and you just need to make a confession with your mouth and say, Jesus, I'm ready to go all in with you right now, then make that your prayer this morning. Make it at your chair or let somebody come and pray with you and say, Jesus, I'm back in. I'm back in, and I believe you, and I need that. This morning, if you say, look, I don't know the Holy Spirit the way you talked about this morning, then let's pray. But don't leave here without these things that Jesus came to give everyone. Amen? I'm going to stop. All right, just come and receive this morning. Don't leave. Let me bless you. Father, thank you for every person here. Jesus, you are grace, and let your grace cover every person here. Let your face shine upon them. Let them walk in the knowledge of your great love. Amen, amen. We love you so much. If you need prayer, come up. We look forward to seeing you next week.